few years ago, I um, led a man to the Lord that I've mentioned a few times in church, Mr. Eddie. Mr. Eddie was um, my neighbour across the road who was elderly. And he, um, I remembered at the time thinking, someone needs to tell this guy about Jesus because he's old. And it, everyone needs to hear about Jesus. It's just that when you're older, you've got less time. I remember once going with my friend Tony Kosh. Now I've just slight rabbit trail diversion. But we went for a trip way out west, Birdsville, all these places. And we get to this town called Batuta, and it's a one-person town. Batuta back then was a one-pub town run by Simon Wozniak, or whatever his name was, Polish name, I can never say it rightly. And he ran that town, and I thought to myself, this bloke, there's no church here. It's a one-person town. Who's going to tell him about Jesus? So I, when I went home, I wrote him a huge, big, long letter explaining him all about Jesus, and I added a Jesus video, and then I mailed it off to him. Thought this this, is, this bloke's might be his only chance to know the Lord. So I often think these types of things about people, and um, I, that's not the first and only time I've done that type of thing. If I'm if I'm aware of a need, I'm, of course I'm going to do something. We're Christians. We think of other people who need to know the Lord. So of course I'm going to think about my elderly neighbour. Has anyone told him about the Lord? He needs to hear it. So, um, well, I went to share the gospel with him, but he wasn't interested. In fact, that's exactly what he said. I'm not interested, thanks. Um, and I've shared the story before. He ended up moving up to aged care, and we visited him every week um, for years, about three years. And on a couple of occasions, I would say, you know, can I pray with you? But he would always say, I'm not interested, thanks. So I, I'm not a pushy person, and, it's important, and, and I felt it really was important to not push him. However, this gentleman um, had a daughter who was a, a good Christian lady who really did love the Lord and who prayed for him like crazy, but she was pushy. She was pushy with the gospel. And the reason she was pushy, because she didn't want her dad to go to hell, and he was getting old. You could completely understand it. Every week, she would go visit him multiple times a week in this aged care home. And I knew because there'd be a calendar on the wall. And every time we would visit, we would circle the calendar and write, David and the kids visited. We'd write something like that because the, he would forget who, how many times. But he could look at the calendar and say, oh, wow, I've had like 10 visits this month from all these different people. And I knew how often she visited. And every time she would visit, she would say, Dad, are you ready to receive the Lord as your saviour? She'd, she'd be very pushy like this, and he was resistant to it. And I remembered saying to her this one day, we were having a chat in the hallway, I said, I think you've got to stop talking to him about the Lord. And she's like, but he's old. He's going to die. Yes, but I think you've got to stop. I said, all right, let's make it. I made a deal with her. I said, I will talk to him about the Lord, and you stop she didn't want to do that, but I said, will you trust me? And she, she goes to another church in town. She's a very sincere Christian, as solidly strong a Christian as anyone you'd meet. But she decided to trust me. She was going to let me do it. And what I did was didn't talk to him about the Lord. 
but I talked to the Lord about him. Um, and I did every day, every night. I didn't fail to talk to the Lord about him every night. And, um, and then miracle of miracles, he gives his heart to the Lord the night before he dies. And I feel like he probably knew he was going to die. They, think, they say that sometimes people know that when they're going to die. And I think he knew that he could trust me. He knew that I'd been a genuine friend. And um, so he, he said he'd like to pray. So we prayed and, and then he passed away. And I, it's just amazing to me that, that whole story. And I want to put up now on the screen a scripture from Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. And I want to read this. This is really my main point today. And I want to just contemplate this scripture today. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the scripture Dad was talking about a few weeks ago. He was explaining the difference between works, human works, human effort, and good works. This scripture points out that Dad was using this scripture to explain that there's works mentioned twice in this scripture, but in the two different ways of understanding it. We're not saved by human works, our own efforts, we're saved by grace, but we're actually created to do works. In, you know, works that are done through the power of God at work in us. So we are created to do things, but it's through grace. Well, I think Mr. Eddie's daughter was trying to get him saved by human works. She was trying her darndest to get her dad into the kingdom of heaven with everything she could think of because she cared a great deal for him. But it was, I think it was striving and it was works and it wasn't working. Was he only got saved by grace. <laughs> he couldn't have got saved any other way because it just wouldn't work but he got saved by grace and it still just blows my mind to think that he just got saved you couldn't have made it happen like there's nothing you could have done to get this guy to get saved it was nothing other than grace it's the miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ how he just touches someone's life and just changes them it's not that I'm a genius soul winner and the lady isn't. It's not that at all. I, I just knew that it wouldn't work if she did it. I just knew that. But I didn't know that it would work with me either. I knew it would only work if the, if the Lord did something. And he did. <laughs> Thank God. And it's just amazing to me that he did. And um, think about your own life. You, you were saved by grace. The Lord just got a hold of you and saved you. It's a miracle. It's nothing other than a miracle. 
It was completely unexpected, but the Lord took a hold of you and changed you. But when we think of ourselves as soul winners, we think that we've got to change people and we strive and we, we, we can become very, very pushy with people. And when we become pushy with people, it doesn't work. I've seen these videos online where they have um, these debates between famous people. And, um, or sometimes you see videos with an evangelist on the street corner pummeling people, trying to pummel them into the kingdom of God by convincing them that they're sinners or... Oh, these things never work. Sometimes you might win an argument intellectually, but you lose the person's heart by being so forceful and so pushy. So sometimes people might concede in, with what they say, but you very rarely change the person. But when the Lord gets a hold of someone by grace, boy, they're changed. <laughs> They're just changed. The Lord knows how to do it. And so salvation, we know that salvation is by grace. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But somehow the Lord takes a hold of you and changes you. So we know that's true with our own salvation. But for some reason, when we turn our mind towards wanting to see other people saved... We get into works and we start thinking of all the things we've got to do so that we can save them. And the thing is, you actually do have to do things. You've got to do, you do have to do works. You're created to do good works. But striving, human works, won't do it. So there's a difference. And the difference is something inside of you. You've got to let go. Letting it all depend on you. You've got to cry out to the Lord. Let the Lord start to work and you will see grace flow. But of course it doesn't mean giving up doing anything at all. There are times and places for doing things too. So in the same way that you can't earn salvation and you don't deserve salvation, so these people that you love and you care about, like Mr. Eddie, did not deserve salvation. And he, didn't, he couldn't earn it. There was nothing he could do. And no matter how hard I tried for him or no matter how hard he tried for himself, he wouldn't be saved. But say, say, salvation comes through grace. So we have to approach our, you know, our desire to be a witness for Christ the same way, through grace. What I want to do is go back to that Ephesians passage and start from the beginning of the chapter and read the first five verses. And... Um, I think the whole first 10 verses are really, really good. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world 
and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Mr. Eddie was dead in his transgressions. He didn't want to be saved because there was nothing in him that was interested at all. His comment, I'm not interested, thanks, was completely correct. He was dead. There was nothing you could appeal to to make him want to be interested. He was dead. He was unsavable as a person unless God did something. People can only be saved if God does something. But God did do something. And I, it's, it's marvellous to me that, thing, that that even happened at all or that anyone even gets saved at all. And I've often said the biggest miracle of all is that people get saved. How is it that that even happens? We don't understand this language about being dead because we think, oh, no, we're alive. Look at us. But no, people who don't know the Lord are dead. The Lord said to Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, do not eat of this fruit because in the day you eat of it, you will die. When they ate of that fruit, they were dead. They were physically alive, but there was a part of them which was dead. Mr. Eddie was dead, dead in his sins. But somehow the grace of God touched him and he experienced the first resurrection. <laughs> An amazing thing, the first resurrection. Now, we're familiar with the, the resurrection when the Lord returns. That's the second resurrection. But the first resurrection is when the Holy Spirit touches someone and they become alive. That dead heart that is not interested in God at all is brought to life, the first resurrection. And you know what the book of Revelation says? It says those who've experienced the first resurrection will not participate in the second death, which is, now you've, you know, everyone's already experienced that first death, the one I just mentioned, but there's the second death, which is, you know, the lake of fire. It's eternal, it's eternal punishment for those who don't find the Lord. But those who experience that first resurrection do not participate in second death. So Mr. Eddie, just in the nick of time, by grace. So what we're seeking for is grace at work in the lives of our family, our friends, our loved ones, our neighbours, we need to be witnesses as well. We're there as Christian people, but we're going to be witnesses by grace, not by witnesses by legalism, 
not we, we're not going to be witnesses because there's there's all these biblical requirements that tell us we have to do a b c and d and you know we we force ourselves to do them and not by striving but by grace and um i was smart enough to know that i couldn't push him which his daughter didn't realize that she couldn't do that so i was aware enough to realize that i had to tell her to stop trying um but a lot of people, they have the other problem. They don't try. They're too scared of trying. It seems like a lot of Christians have one problem or the other. They try too hard or they don't try at all. Well, either case, you need grace. <laughs> it's got to be grace. That's the approach. And uh, the Lord can raise the dead. Ephesians 2 says... But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. He is rich in mercy. He loved Mr. Eddie more than his daughter did, more than I did, and he's rich in mercy. Your family and your friends are loved by the Lord's great love. His mercy to them is great. And we want to see grace activated in our lives so that we are soul winners. And in their lives so that they are saved. And the good news about grace is that it makes it easy. And I have said over and over and over that it's easy to bring people to Christ. If you're of the mind that it's hard, that's because you're thinking you've got to do it. It's easy because God does it. God can do it. So, there are four things that you need to do. And I told you there's really only one point. And the point this morning is we want to be soul winners by grace. And maybe, maybe the thought occurs to me right now, maybe you don't understand what it means, what this idea of grace is all about. And that's not really the subject for today, but I know that Dad preached a whole series of sermons on grace at some point in the past. And we might try to dig them out and put them on, in our newsletter this week. But grace isn't just, very, very quick summary, grace isn't just God being kind to you. You know how we think, we, we always say we're saved by grace and it, in a lot of Christian circles they think, oh, that's just God being kind. You're saved because God's so kind. But no, gra grace is God's ability that works to do something. So you're saved because God worked to do it for you, but you can also do things for the Lord by grace. In other words, he does it through you. I... I know very well that when I've led people to the Lord over the years, it wasn't me. I may have said things, but I knew very well it had to have been something else that did it because I know who I am, I'm just me. You know what amazes me? That Billy Graham brought so many people to the Lord. I've only listened to a handful of Billy Graham sermons and I didn't think there was anything 
different in his messages to what a thousand other preachers have said. Well, what was the difference? Grace. Billy Graham had grace working for him. He sought the Lord, he got a touch of God, and he preached, and grace worked. People were just changed. <laughs> it's, it's easy when there's grace at work. There was a lady in the Mount Morgan Church that got saved in, a Billy, in the Billy Graham crusade in Sydney. She's an old lady now, an older lady now, but she, yes, yeah, she gave her heart to the Lord as a little girl when Billy Graham preached down in Sydney all those years ago. Isn't that amazing? Well, I tell you what, you can share the gospel with someone and grace can work. It's simple. No striving. So here's the four things you got to do. And this is what I, this is what I ended up doing in Mount Morgan after, in my seventh year. So in my first six years, I strived. I did more things for the gospel in Mount Morgan than I think just about any human being in history. That might not be true, but I tried really, really hard. And I really didn't lead more than a handful of people to the Lord in all that time, and all those people left the church or didn't stay in the church. But once I had this change, the church just started growing. And it was, it was, it's like it did it all on its own. Well, that's what we're wanting. We're believing that the church is going to grow, but it's going to grow by grace. And so what we did in Mount Morgan was I actually stopped evangelizing, believe it or not. That's not necessarily a thing to do in every place, but that's what I did in Mount Morgan. And we just started praying that the Lord would build the church and the church just started growing. In other words, we had grace at work for us. But when people would come along, we'd still share the gospel with them. We'd still pray for people. We still, we still did acts of service. We were still Christians. We didn't do nothing. So don't mistake the idea of not striving with the idea of doing nothing. They're two different things. No, you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. But just not strive. So the four things we did in Mount Morgan was... Um, I'm just trying to, trying to think how to say it because um, first thing we did was we prayed. We just prayed. Very simple. The second thing we did was we just loved people. The third thing we did is we obeyed the Lord. Whatever the Lord said to do, we'd do it. If you think about it, that makes a lot of sense because the Lord knows what's needed. And then the last thing we did was we relaxed. Now, not relax in the sense that you don't do anything, but relax in the sense that, you're, that it's all up to you to make it happen. You relax within. In other words, you've got faith. Or you just trust the Lord that he's at work. So if you're praying, if you're loving those around you, you're doing whatever the Lord tells you, if, if you know the Lord tells you to share the gospel with someone, you obey. If the Lord tells you not to, you obey. Whatever the Lord tells you, you do it. And then the last thing is you relax, which is trusting him. He's the one that's going to take the things you're doing 
and create the result out of those things. Brian Smith, some of you know Brian Smith. I think I've mentioned him before in church. He was the guy whose horse broke its leg and he couldn't afford to fix the horse up, so he didn't fix the horse up. And then the horse's leg healed funny and the horse was hobbling around the paddock. Brian was just a poor pensioner. He had 13 horses and because of that he had no money. And um, you either have horses or money, one or the other it seems. But Brian, um, he got reported to the RSPCA by someone and was on the TV. And I was over at someone's house for dinner this night. I saw the horse on the TV. RSPCA had been, RSPCA has been called into a Mount Morgan property over the you know, abuse of a horse. And there's this horse hobbling along like this. And I remembered thinking at the time, why do they always have to pick on Mount Morgan? They always make a big deal. RSPCA's been called to a property in Mount Morgan. <laughs> they always make it out like it's this town is this bad place. Anyway, I th said to myself that night, I'm going to see that guy and I'm going to offer to pray for him. I never met him before. Well, that's the type of thing Christians do. They do stuff like that. So I found out where he lived, struck oil, went for a drive. There he was. I said, could I pray for you? He said, oh no, I'm not into that, or something like that, some kind of a dismissive. He didn't want the prayer, so that was it. And I drove away, but I prayed for him anyway. And I, um, I just said, Lord, bring that man to Christ. And there was the other people standing behind him, the Rexes, Lord, I pray that you touch all those people too. Well, Corey, give us a wave. <laughs> He's one of those people that I prayed for. Thank God Brian broke, Brian's horse broke his leg, eh? Uh, yeah, well, that's, and that, you should ask Corey about that story of, about the horse, how that all worked out. Uh, interesting story, that. Um, yeah, because they put the horse down and gave Brian the bill. He couldn't afford it in the first place, but now he had to afford it. He should have taken it to the vet and got a loan, right? Um, but the thing about it was that Brian gets roped into doing this job for people in the church a week or two later. They were putting on a deck. I think I mentioned this story. And he crawled in under the deck to do something under there. And this lady, now she was a pushy lady. She was a pushy lady. In fact, I was very uncomfortable with her. But she, she had Brian under the floor. And she decides she's going to tell him about Jesus. And she pushed him. But you know what? He heard it. That was grace. It was grace in response to my prayers that he heard it. And Corey will tell you. <laughs> you know, anyway, ask him about it. Brian, who would never have gone to church, he would say, oh, I'm not going to church. Next thing, no more keen advocate for church attendance than Brian. How does a person change like that? Now, his personality didn't change. His personal quirks and his love of horses, all that stuff didn't change. And, um, but the Lord touched him. Well, this is what you need to do. You need to pray. You need to love people. You need to obey the Lord and do whatever he tells you to do. Now, if you're scared of witnessing and the Lord asks you to say something, you better ask him to help you overcome your fear. 
Um, it's different to striving. When I was in high school, I'll finish with this point and we're going to have some prayers. But when I was in high school, I, um, someone must have preached on that passage in Ezekiel about, you know, Ezekiel was told to warn the people, the Israelites, about their sins because God was going to judge them. And, and God said to Ezekiel, if you don't warn them, I'm going to destroy them and the, it'll, the, the blood, their blood will be on your heads. But if you warn them and they don't listen, then their blood will be on their heads. And I must have got real convicted about this in high school and thought, if I don't tell all my friends at school about the Lord, they're all going to die and go to hell and it'll be, all the blood will be on my head. So I made it my business to tell all my friends at school about Jesus. But if I th look back on it now, it was so the blood wouldn't be on my head. So it wasn't exactly the best motivation. And <laughs> I've learned a lot of lessons by doing it all the wrong way. Um, don't force yourself to tell other people about the Lord because there's this like legalistic rule that you have to do it. Start by praying for people because you care about them. Wait for the Lord to give you a chance to speak if he gives you a chance to speak. Do you know that with Mr. Eddie, I never actually shared the gospel with him? He just decided the night before he died he wanted me to pray. I never actually explained it. So, but, but that's the marvellous thing about it. The Lord just touched his heart and he just knew he needed the Lord. You know, it, you don't, the Lord will do it his way. Don't assume it's the way you're thinking. Just let the Lord lead you. And then, of course, relax. Now, I suggest you start by relaxing. Don't put the stress on you. Let the Lord work because he's going to work. He knows how to work and he, and he will. So we're going to be soul winners here at peace. But we're going to do it by grace. It's not going to be hard work. You might think it's hard work. It's not hard work. In fact, there's nothing more, there's nothing that will give you more joy than bringing someone to Christ. And you'll realise after you've experienced that for the first time, boy, it was easy because the Lord will help you. So don't strive. Just ask the Lord to help you. Ask the Lord to make a soul winner out of you. Ask the Lord to, to show you what to do. Relax. Now, yeah, you may have to conquer a little fear here or there, but the Lord will lead you as needed. I'll just to tell you one, I think, a funny little story in closing. And I know I said that before about closing, but... Che, you know our dear friend Che... Shay, uh, he got really inspired about witnessing. He was here one night, I think he was with Dominic, and they were having a prayer meeting at the church one night. Dominic said to me, you know, can we come and have a prayer meeting whenever we want? I said, sure. So they were here one night having a prayer meeting and it's around about midnight, and Shay's like, oh, I feel like there's just someone out there in Rockhampton that needs to hear the gospel right now. He said, Lord, show me where they are. And he gets this idea that there's gonna be someone at this spot on the south side sometimes it's just religious enthusiasm you know when you're young and you're excited and anyway Che he uh, 
So I believe there's going to be someone there and I'm going to go and share the gospel with them. And he, so he gets this idea. There's this spot on the south side. And he goes over there. It's after midnight, middle of the night. Not a soul around. And as he's driving up, there was someone there. <laughs> and all of a sudden he's like, oh, I don't want to say anything now. <laughs> but the Lord must have, the Lord, see, he prayed. He said, Lord, I want to share the gospel with someone. There must be someone. And the Lord dropped it into his heart. Well, the Lord did that. Anyway, so in the wee hours of the morning, he prays this teenage girl, 14 or 15 years of age, on the south side, who had run away from home and all regretful in that moment, sitting there in tears, her life's ruined. And lo and behold, who shows up? Che, to tell her about Jesus and to pray with her. And, well, it happened to Che... It's nothing other than grace. It, that's, that's grace, 100% through. It happened to Che because he wanted to do that. He was here in a prayer meeting with Dominic, praying, wanting to lead someone to the Lord. Now, sure, when he got to the actual moment of it, he was terrified. But <laughs> he couldn't back out because the Lord had set him up. So all I'm saying to you is just relax. You pray about it. Let the Lord set you up. And it won't be anything like Chase's story. It'll be nothing like it. It'll be your own version of events. It'll be the neighbour leaning over the fence, just chatting, and next thing it'll get deep and meaningful. It'll be something, it'll be just like the way your life works. But the point is relax. And when you get to that moment when the Lord gives it into your hands, he set it up for you. So you can actually relax in that moment too. The Lord will set you up because he's wanting them to come to know him. It's because of his great mercy. The Bible is full of this type of stuff. Some bloke is in a chariot reading the scroll of Isaiah when Philip happens to wander along and the bloke says, I don't understand this. Can you explain it to me? The Lord set it up. He, that bloke, the Lord wanted that guy to get saved in the chariot. He set him up holding a scroll, reading with questions in his heart and sent along the evangelist. He primed the situation. That is grace. And like I'm saying to you, it's easy when it's by grace. So start by praying. <laughs> Say, Lord, I want to be fruitful. That prayer that Dad mentioned earlier that you should pray. Say, Lord, I want to be fruitful. And just go with it okay i'll invite the band to come we're going to have a prayer and we're in fact let's pray that prayer right now let's ask the lord to make us be fruitful if you are someone that's struggled with striving this whole idea of striving to be a witness you know we're supposed to be witnesses you know that that we're supposed to go make disciples and yet it just seems so hard if if you're thinking oh that seems so hard it's because there's a, an element of striving. We've well, got to let that go. So we're going to do that right now. We're going to ask the Lord to, to deliver us of striving and human effort and ask the Lord to make us fruitful. And we're going to be soul winners by grace. It's the only way to do it. So Lord, we, we lay our lives and our hearts before you. And Lord, we want to be fruitful for Christ. And Lord, the, the, the desires of our heart is to, to be a blessing to you and to be a blessing to others. And Lord, it's because we love you. 
and we do love others. And yet, Lord, we do depend on our own human abilities so often. Forgive us, Lord. And this morning, we and everyone else who's joined us online, we lay our hearts before you. We lay our human efforts before you. We lay them at the foot of the cross. And we ask you to forgive us, Lord, of, of trusting sometimes more in works than in grace. But now, Lord, we ask that we would have grace for, for soul winning, as well as grace for walking in holiness, grace for, for loving the saints, grace for many things. Now, Lord, I ask that we would find grace to, to bring souls to Christ. We would be a fruitful church. Lord, make us fruitful. Lord, you said that you are the vine and we are the branches, and if we abide in you, we will bear much fruit. Help us, Lord, now to abide in you and to be fruitful. So, Lord, bless your people today. In the name of Jesus, amen.